0: Good morning. Good morning. Happy, New Year. Happy New Year. Hope you're blessed today. Um, I'm kind of in one of those one, two, three jump moments, been, having been out of the saddle for a couple of months now. And uh I just got to breathe. I just want to say from the bottom of my heart, thank you very much. I don't have words to express how grateful I am from my family, for all of you and all that you have done for us, all the love that's been poured out to us all the prayers that have been lifted for us because I I truly uh, have been living by the grace of God and the strength of the Lord and the prayers of the saints. Uh, I'm trying my best to not be emotional this morning but I just want to say that I'm thankful that this was a one-service Sunday so I I don't have to try to duplicate this. Because this is, uh, I would not score well in my homiletics class in Bible school with this today. (laughs) It would be a mess. (laughs) So, uh, I'm grateful for the presence of God. Uh, Not only in this moment, but in the last two months it has been very precious to me. And I don't mean precious like people describe babies and puppies. I mean the Bible meaning of the word precious, which means weighty and valuable. Like a precious diamond, a precious stone is weighty. It's worth great. It's esteemed highly. It's worth great value. and It's rare. And so I have enjoyed the precious presence of the Lord uh, that has comforted me. Sometimes couldn't sleep in the middle of the night and waking up and just crying out to God. And so this morning I... I, I can't get up here and just uh, fake it. Shit. Although I'll tell you, I'm going to faith it till I make it. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah. and I, I know that you are very merciful and kind, and you're very gracious. And if there are guests here this morning, I am I don't I'm not always this emotional. But if in case you might not have known, my my wife passed a couple of months ago, and uh, it was very tragic. And uh, in the middle of it, I continually say, this is my mantra, I, I choose joy. I choose joy. And my focus is not on what I no longer have, but it's on the vast, amazing blessings of God that I do have. Because in the midst of this, the Lord has come to me and shown me some very precious things in his word, and I believe that I have a word for you to begin the year, and uh, I just want to say that in, in spite of the circumstances that I have faced and that you have faced with me, uh, I believe I have a bright hope for the future. I'm thankful to God for, I'm thankful to God for hope that it is an anchor of my soul as the Word of God describes in the book of Hebrews and I just want to say to you I tried my very very best to sit down and write a handwritten note of thank you and not just use you know the thing from the funeral home that you just signed the Smith family and send it I wanted to thank you personally for all that you've done for the food for the kindness the gestures that you've done for me and if, if I've missed anybody please I just want you know from the bottom of my heart forgive me it wasn't intentional we had Ladies that were manning the kitchen that were like feeding an army as the crowds streamed through for three days. And people have continued to do things. We still have money coming in for the, for the memorial fountain for dawn in front of our building. Our building is back on go now. Meeting with the architect and the construction management this week. And um, we were supposed to meet through the holidays, but the, the guy who had the, who was very critical to the whole uh, budget process had a really bad case of the flu and he was out about 14 days and so that threw a, a wrench into it so we're, we're actually just getting back together right after the first of the year. I just want to say that I've never in my life had anything fight me so hard on I- anything like we have this building. Our first architect died. I mean I don't want to take you through the litany of all the extreme circumstances that happened And along the way, just to keep trying to put this thing, I just think the enemy is trembling in fear at what the Lord is going to do with this people when we are no longer in this rental place, but we actually have established a footing in the Delta to say, we are here and we ain't going nowhere we're going to see the kingdom of God come to the Delta and revival shake this whole region for the glory of God. I believe that. I, I've never in my life seen anything fight and oppose me so much on trying to finish or complete something. But the beauty of this is that I don't have any quit on the inside of me. Not going to quit. Not going to quit. I mean, you know, the, you know what the n- number one trending topic has been uh, that has lasted for so long this year on Twitter? It's World Series. 108 years and the Chicago Cubs finally won the World Series. Why do you think they did? Because they didn't watch. It didn't quit, and there is no quit on the inside of me, and sometimes there are things that we face, circumstances that we face that we would like for God to just deliver us out of, and this morning as I open up the beginning of five messages, and we're going to share this together, by the way, I, I would be remiss if I didn't go ahead and say uh, a very hearty thank you to all of our team leaders and our, uh, to uh, all, everybody that's on the Victory Team and especially to our pastoral staff, to Pastor Haley and to Pastor Jeremy and to Heather who is our, my administrative assistant who have done an absolutely phenomenal job while I was taking a little bit of a break and trying to get my bearings. Because I want to tell you this morning, um, I've been shaken This has shaken me, and anybody who would look at you and tell you, oh, I'm not shaken, and has gone through what I've gone through, is lying. Uh, This has shaken me to my core, and what I believe in, everything has been up for grabs, and I've had to go back to the very foundation and say, Lord, show yourself to me. Show me who you are, because I know you were a good God, and I know that you are a great God. And I couldn't. Somebody said, well, you know, two months is a long time for a guy to just take a sabbatical. But let me just say this to you. I want to say thank you for being gracious because I couldn't get up here a few weeks ago and preach with confidence that with God all things are possible. Because my own faith was shaking. And all I had to hang on to was a little scrap, a little remnant, a little piece of hope to be able to just go before God and just say, God, I trust you. I know in spite of this, I believe, oh God, that I will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. And it, it, without a shadow of a doubt, I believe I have confidence that I will see dawn in, the, in, in, a, in a new heaven and a new earth. And I, I believe that, that, that God is good and God is great in spite of all the stuff and the evil that is in the world and the junk that we don't understand. Right. And I've, I've fought the battles, I've, I've asked the wise, and I've blamed myself. Why didn't I see it, and why didn't I take further action to stop the circumstances? And, and I just want to tell you, I've, I've exhausted myself in doing that, and God has dropped a simple word into my heart today. It's a, it's a strange title for a series, but it's on the board, and it looks like a train, it looks like a tunnel, you're going through something. Everybody say, Through. And as much as I would cry out to God and say, God, get me out of this, He says, no, I'm going to walk with you through this. And, and this morning, I, I'm not trying to take my circumstances and overlay them as a template, on anybody else's life. But I guarantee you, if we're all honest, everybody in the room is going through something that you would like, that you if you had a choice, you would be delivered out of if you had the choice. But it, you, 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 you realize that, that you're going to have to go through this thing and learn some things along the way. And that if you will put your trust in God in spite of the difficulty and the negativity, that He will show up and He will show out in the middle of your life and He will make Himself strong. In your life and your faith that you think you don't have any of will all of a sudden begin to grow because of his greatness and his goodness. And I want you to punch your neighbor right now and say, we're going through. We're not going to quit. We're going to get to the other side of what the Lord has called us to do. And so the one thing, I have a scripture this morning. Uh... I've got some notes in front of you, and I'm not going to be long, I'm not going to be bound by what I thought I might get to preach, and I'm just going to open up and share, and I'll just cut it here in a few minutes, whether I'm finished with the notes or not. As long as I feel like the Holy Spirit is in this, I'm going to jump in it. Uh, Isaiah chapter 43, if you have a look at a screen, and uh, let's read together, and I'd like you to stand this morning. Let's stand in honor of the word of the Lord that we're going to read. Here we go. Let's, let's read together. But now, O Jacob, listen to the Lord who created you. O Israel, the one who formed you says, Do not be afraid, for I have ransomed you. I have called you by name. You are mine. When you go through deep waters, I will be with you. When you go through rivers of difficulty, you will not drown. When you walk through the fire of oppression, you will not be burned up. The flames will not consume you. Pray with me this morning. Gracious God, our trust, our hope, our help is in the Lord. God is a refuge and strength, a very present help in time of trouble. God, we need you this morning. I desperately need you. As I cry out to you today, I cannot do anything apart from you. But God, I'm thankful that I'm not apart from you, that you live on the inside of me, and that I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And I put my trust in the one who has already won the battle, the one who already has the victory the one who has passed the baton into our hands for this generation. And he says, run with patience and run with faith. And God, we we arise this morning with great expectation for new doors and opportunities and fresh starts and a new chapter in our lives. And Lord, for the past to be the past and there not be anything lingering that would weight us down or pull us backward, oh God, but then we would step forward and move in faith. We look to you, cleanse our hearts, forgive us our sins, give us a fresh start and a new perspective, Lord, in an awakening, oh God, as to how great you're going to be and show up in the middle of our weakness, you're going to be made strong, and God, you're going to carry us through in Jesus' name, and all of God's people said, amen. You may be seated this morning in the presence of the Lord. I feel better right now. Woo! Hallelujah. Thank you, Holy Ghost. Very simply this morning, I just want to tell you sometimes we skip over the profound truth that's found in a simple word. This word has just come off the page in my personal devotional time. I, the first couple of days in the circumstances was shaken, and then I said, I've got to get a hold of myself. I've got to establish, not let habits slide I continued to get up at 6 in the morning and immediately began the, 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 the practice of making the bed right then because I knew if I didn't make it then I mean if I did make it then that I wouldn't get back into it because I, I'm, I'm, I'm very particular about once it's made and it looks good I don't want to tear it up. <laughs> <laughs> and, and so I, I started that process and I just want to say that I'm so grateful that my daughter went against my word and picked up a rescued dog that we named Copper uh, that has been her dog, and she was planning on taking him with her to New York City. And in and out of the times when Drew and, and, and Abby were both in or out of town, one or the other, in different times they're both here, when I didn't have them, I had this dog that I didn't want. And this dog became a saving grace for my life because he would leave the place where he was in his kennel, and he was kennel trained, and we leave the door open, and he would get up out of the kennel and come to the bedroom and jump up in the bed and lick my face to wake me up at about a quarter to six every morning, demanding to be walked. And so I have been walking, and I've stretched my to the corner and back, to the stop sign and back, to two blocks, and two blocks is into a mile, and a mile's increasing. And so I'm actually starting to feel better again, and I'm grateful for that. And I'm going, God, you can use some crazy things sometimes to get us moving. And a dog that I about half cursed, and I don't mean that literally, but I said, don't you keep that dog. And she said, is that me? Um, A dog that I just, you know, just was determined we weren't going to have to fool with ended up being a saving grace for my life. Everybody help this, uh, and grab your phones and turn them off if you would, please. I do the best I can today, and I'm trying to be able to get through this and don't be embarrassed sister it's happened to all of us um, matter of fact let me tell you a real quick little story this is not in my notes uh, I was teaching world civilization at Arkansas State University and I had my son in the class which is probably a mistake in the first place because he brought half of his fraternity brothers to dad's class and so I asked them all to stay after class one day, and I said, look, boys, I think you're all, you know, fine young men, and I like you, but don't think that just because you're in Drew's dad's class that you're going to get a grade given to you. You're going to have to work. One day, I happened to, and I, always, I would always harp on, turn your cell phones off, because it's just hard to not break a flow, you know. And um, I, I forgot my dry erase markers in my office at the university. And so I went back to my office to get some dry erase markers because I, when I teach, I'm, I'm writing a lot of things on the board and, you know, very demonstrative and everything. And when I, I got back, I picked up the lesson. Again, I was gone about three or four minutes. And probably five minutes into resuming my, um, my lecture on the agricultural revolution in China, uh, all of a sudden, a cell ringtone starts going off want to be a baller, 20-inch rim, shock collar. (laughs) And I said, okay, who's the baller in the room? Turn it off. And everybody starts snickering. They had come up. My son knew my passcode to my cell phone. And he had uploaded I want to be a baller on my cell phone. (laughs) This is the kind of mess that my kids pull on me. (laughs) So let me just tell you, don't, nobody be offended. Cell phones go off and we, we learn to deal with it. But if you would turn yours off right now. All right. How many of you love Jesus? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. The profound truth in a simple word many times is that we miss the power that is in these words that we think are less important. And sometimes those words that we think are less important convey the direction from which the blessings coming or they reveal the source or they show a process that we are going to have to go through as we're looking at this morning. There there are two ways that I want you to see the word through. Everybody say through. First, there's an active involvement as if you were moving or progressing in process. For example, the children of Israel walked through the wilderness. The train came through the tunnel and so there is movement, there is process there is progress. You went through school in order in grades 1 through 12, kindergarten through 12th grade. And you progressed through a series of learning lessons that built on this year upon last year upon the year before. And so you came through school. You, it was a learning process. There was progress that you had to experience because you went through it. It's not something that you can just get zapped in a point in time. We are saved in a moment. We are saved through, and this is the passive side of the word. There's a passive side which reveals agency or source. For example, I can do all things through whom? Through Christ who strengthens me. That's not my strength, but it's I'm passively receiving what He has already actively won for me. But there are things that I have to actively go through. Come on, somebody. And so what I want you to see is while we actively go through our circumstances, we must lean on him through whom the strength and the grace and the blessings come. I actively go through it, but I passively receive what he has already made part of his finished work on the cross. Somebody say amen. I want to bust a myth this morning, so quickly point number two. 1 Corinthians chapter 10 verses 13 and 14 Uh, Go ahead and read out loud. You can stay seated. Let's read together. No temptation has overtaken you that is not common to man. God is faithful and he will not let you be tempted beyond your ability. But with the temptation, he will also provide the way of escape that you may be able to endure it. Okay, yeah, one more verse. Here we go. Therefore, my beloved, flee idolatry. Now, what we commonly hear in 21st century, and it was actually late 20th century Christianity, in American Christianity, is that we had, because of a gospel song that became popular, we began to say, and here it is in your notes, go ahead and give me the next line, read it with me, God won't put more on you than you can stand. And, and we, we began to hear that, uh, which I want to say is a really bad misinterpretation from the verse we just read. Okay, And so we started believing, we started hearing this idea, well, God won't put more on you than you can stand. Can I just tell you right now from my personal experience that I'm in the middle of something that is way bigger than I could ever stand. I could not do this by myself. And it's only the fact that I can recognize that there is someone bigger than I am and his name is Jesus who can carry me through what I've been facing and what I've been going through. I can't pray and say, God, would you just zap me and deliver me out of this? I have to go through this grieving process. And about the time I feel like I have advanced from one stage to the next because I, I've counseled people over the years and sat with them and prayed for them and with them as they're grieving, and I, and I, and I feel like I've moved from one to another. I wake up the next day and, and then here's all of these feelings and these questions and, and just going through a wilderness of emotional experience. And, and, and I, I just want to tell you that this morning, the first day of a new year, I'm not fixed. I'm still going through it. But I have I've come into a, a fresh experience with one in whom I already had a relationship uh, before this thing even started. And I'm thankful to tell you that he's greater than I even ever thought he was. He's stronger than I could ever even believe or, or, or dream that he was. And so this morning I want to tell you that if, if God would never put more on you than you could stand, you would never need Him. And it's nonsense that we say these kinds of catchphrase bumper sticker Christianity uh, because somebody has taken a few words out of Scripture and and given us less than the best interpretation of it, and so I want to, if you want, I want you to put this back. I want to go back one more time and let's look at that 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 verse. Uh, that it's it's ten or it's thirteen and fourteen. We're, we're talking about temptation here, things that you are battling against, that you know are wrong, and that you have a choice. Okay. So, in other words, don't think that you're special because you've got something, a secret sin that that maybe you're afraid for somebody else to find out because there's nothing anybody in the room is wrestling with that somebody else in the room hasn't also wrestled with. By the way, we have a Savior who was in all points tempted as we are, yet without what? Without sin. Let me just tell you this, it's not a sin to be tempted because Jesus was tempted. It's when you let that temptation become a dwelling thought and that lust is conceived, uh, a deep hard desire for something and it doesn't just have to be sexual. We've always associated in this culture the word lust with sexual things. How many of you know you can lust for a new boat? You can be in lust for a new house. You can lust for a new set of golf clubs. Come on somebody. There's a whole lot of things you can lust for. Somebody, I know I'm meddling this morning and you had not got your credit card bills in from Christmas yet. But how many of you know I'm preaching real good right here now? You can lust for a lot of stuff. And, and the temptation is not the sin, but it's when we let the thought linger and it begins to ruminate in our hearts. And he says, you know what? You're not special. There's nothing going on that's not common to everybody. But in the middle of all of this, am I at my timer? You reminded me? <laughs> God is faithful. Do we have it? God is, okay, we're going to go back through. Let's get, here we go. Everybody say, God is faithful. In the middle of your struggle, you've got to remember one thing. God is not going to stop being God. He's not going to stop being who He is. He's not coming down off the throne. No matter the degree of pain that you or I might be walking through, He's still faithful. He's going to (coughs) carry through to the end. Everybody say, He doesn't quit. (coughs) God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond your ability. Here we go. But with the temptation, he will also provide the way of escape. Now, this is what I want you to grab this morning. One thing, the way out is through. Say that with me. The way out is through. So we've busted the myth. The idea that God won't put more on you than you can stand is a myth. It's a Christian myth. There's all kinds of things that we face that are bigger than we are. And that drives us to him. So that in the middle of our weakness, his strength can be made perfect. Come on, somebody. All right. Point number three, I'm moving quickly. Uh, The Old Testament type. So we want to go back in this passage where Paul is using the example of the children of Israel who came out of Egypt, went through the wilderness into the promised land. And he's showing this to the the New Testament church that this is a picture. It's a type. It's a prophetic uh, example for us. And so if you would put up 1 Corinthians 10.6, And he says, now these things took place as what? Everybody say examples. Okay, examples for us that we might not desire evil as they did. Jump to verse 11, if you would please for me. Now these things happened to them as a what? There's the same word again. It's the Greek word tupos. We get the English word type from it. David was a type of Christ. Now, don't confuse the word type like a Chevrolet is a type of car. We're not talking kind, like the, the American English understanding of the word type, okay? But the Bible definition of a, of a type is a prophetic picture of something that is yet to come. It's like the sign out on the interstate that tells you about the upcoming exit where you can find a Cracker Barrel. That would be the biblical example of a type. It is showing you something greater is coming. They may even put a picture of food on it that is so attractive you might salivate going down the road. You might just be ready for some of that slow roasted uh, chicken or whatever it is, that campfire chicken or, 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 or have mercy I'm getting hungry just thinking about what I'm trying to tell you about I'm thinking about here. Uh, whether it's chicken fried chicken, mm -hmm, uh, or whatever it is that you get from Cracker Barrel that you enjoy, the sign is a symbol, it's a type pointing to you to tell you what's coming up the road. David was a type of Christ. It doesn't mean he's a kind of Christ. It means he's a prophetic picture showing you that the greater David is going to show up on the scene. Come on, somebody. Everybody say Jesus is the fulfillment of all the Old Testament promises. Now look at this, the tenses of redemption are found in in this great example. It says, these things happened to them as an example, but they were written down for our instruction on whom the end of the ages has come. So the tenses of redemption follow this pattern, they came, everybody say out of Egypt, and they went through the wilderness, say through the wilderness, then they went into the land, To possess the land. In the same way, God uses these little simple prepositions to show you that he wants to deliver you out of the bondage of sin where Pharaoh, a type of Satan, is the slave master. And he does that in a moment by the blood of Jesus. But then He has to renew your mind and your thinking to who you are now as a new creation in Christ. So it's not just a one-time moment of being delivered and set free and being saved in that moment, knowing that if you die, you go to heaven. But God starts taking you through the wilderness. Everybody say, through the wilderness. Because the wilderness is a school of experience. It's a place where you learn things about who you are and about how great God is. As a a matter of fact, I want to... Flip over here for just a moment. I don't have this on the board, but but I want you to listen here as I read from Deuteronomy 1. Let's see. Yeah, 1.19. I'm reading from the ESV. It says, And Deuteronomy is the second time that the law of God is given. Deutero means two, Namas means the law. Okay. Um, Moses, who writes the first five books of the Bible, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, okay? If you see "namas," if you think about something that is autonomous, that's self-law, all right? Are you with me? Something theonomy means God's law. Deuteronomy, two. It's the second time the law is given. It was given in Exodus 20, and now it's given in Deuteronomy 5. And so as Moses is writing, he's giving them kind of a travelogue of how they've come through the wilderness because it's been 38 years now and he's sitting on this side of the Jordan looking across the Jordan River to the Promised Land. They've come out of Egypt. They've come through the wilderness for 38 years and they're going to sit there for two years in preparation before they cross the Jordan and go into the Promised Land of God. So God delivers you out of sin... From the dominion of Satan, he takes you through the school of the Spirit where he teaches you and renews your mind and then so that you can begin to walk into and possess the promises of God in your life. Are you following me? Now, I know I'm teaching a little bit this morning, but this is so much where I've been. Everybody say, "Out out of, through, and into. And we're particularly paying attention to the through because some sectors of Christianity only focus on the out of. And you think that if you have enough faith and you confess the right scriptures that you can get delivered out of everything that happens in your life. And how many of you know when you got up from the altar or praying a sinner's prayer or laying on the floor or driving in your car when you heard the gospel, whenever you asked Jesus to come into your heart, in that moment, in a snapshot picture moment of time, you were delivered out of Egypt, out of sin, out of bondage, out of darkness. And you were brought into the kingdom of light. But now you're in a process. This one is called justification out of. Through is called sanctification, where God is working the image of His Son Jesus into your heart and your life. And it's an everyday process. You're going through some stuff. Come on, somebody. I'm going to tell you, in the wilderness, stuff happens. And you got to go through some stuff in the wilderness. And this is how Moses described it. He said, Then we set out from Horeb and went through all that great and terrifying wilderness that you saw, on the way to the hill country of the Amorites. The the, the King James says, the great and terrible wilderness. How many of you know what you're in the middle of right now is both great and terrible? Now, some of you might go, well, it's not that bad. Well, just keep living and keep breathing because you'll face some things that are both great and terrible. They're great because God shows up and he'll be great in the middle of it. But there are terrible circumstances that we face in life that we have to go through, that we can't just pray and God lift us up out of it. We have to learn how to embrace the pain and go through the circumstances because it's there in those places where we learn to trust God like we have never trusted him before. You know, we're scared. It's, It's a fearful thing to go into a place where there is no water to cry out where there is no food. And, And those kinds of experiences are certainly terrible. But when we realize that we can lift up our eyes and cry out to the Lord who cares for us even as a father, and he will begin to rain down manna from heaven, and he will speak to the prophet and say, smite that rock, And then speak to it from now on and out of that rock will come water that you can drink and it will quench the thirst of your souls. It's when we begin to cry out to God in the terrible experiences of life that He will show up and show you that that really is a great place because He comes on the scene. Come on, so put your hands together and give the Lord praise. (laughs) The great and terrible. What I'm going through is terrible. I wouldn't wish it on anybody. I wouldn't wish it on my worst enemy. But in the middle of it, the Lord has shown up in my life in a great way. Because he's carried me and he's comforted me and he's given me some hope. And I'm not saying I'm there yet, but I'm going to tell you one thing. I'm showing a better place than I was a couple of months ago. And I'm grateful that God is taking the terrible and he's making it great. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Are you getting anything out of this? i want to just be a couple more minutes here and I'm going to be finished. My own experience, I, I see in the 23rd Psalm. And, and because I only just have a few more things here, I'm, I'm going to go ahead and take time to read this. Is that all right this morning? <coughs> this This is where I've been. These words that I've quoted since I was seven or eight years old have become fresh and new words to me in my heart and in my life. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want... He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. I was leaning so heavily into Psalm 34, 18. It says, the Lord is near the brokenhearted, and he rescues those whose spirits are crushed. If there was ever any words that could identify and define me, on October 19th, it was brokenhearted. And crushed. He says he restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Verse 4. Even though I walk, what? Through. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. I will fear no evil. For you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies and you anoint my head with oil and my cup overflows. Oh, something's starting to change. I'm starting to see with a fresh perspective because I realize that no matter what I've gone through, I'm destined to come out on the other side of it. And in the middle of it, surely goodness and mercy are going to follow me around and chase me down and, and bring blessing all the days of my life and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever and I don't think that's just something that's a promise that when I die that I'll be in his presence and in his house but I believe the house of the Lord is wherever the presence of God shows up. It can be in your car on a way to a job that you hate. Some of you are going through a divorce this morning. Some of you are going through a season of financial difficulty. Some of you are going through broken relationships and children that are rebellious and I'm going to tell you God's not going to let you stay there but until you realize in the middle of that terrible place that you're going going through that he wants to show up and be great in your life so that you will come through it and you will go God is good and God is great and I wouldn't go through it again if I ever had to if I had a choice I'm going to tell you I believe that's the reason when you come to Christ that God doesn't let you see all the fine print because there ain't no way I've gone through stuff that I would have never agreed to but you know I'm thankful just like I said no to a puppy, and he became kind of a saving grace of getting me up and waking me up and making me walk. When nobody else was around, that dog would get up in my face and lick the tears off my cheeks. And, and I bonded with that stupid dog, Copper. <laughs> I told Abby, I said, There no way you're taking this dog to New York City now. <laughs> And in case she does, if you didn't see Facebook, I've got a new one that I'm training right now. <laughs> His name is Odie from Otis Taylor. If you remember the town drunk on Andy Griffith's show? <laughs> Which I think is just so indicative of us because we struggle with things and then we go and put ourselves in our own cell. And then we sober up and we go, okay, I'm free, and we let ourselves out. There was so much truth. I don't want to stop and chase a rabbit. But there was so much truth in that little black-and-white TV show, the Andy Griffith Show. and so many places and so many struggles in our own lives, we, we, we medicate with something, with food or with alcohol or with drugs or with sex or shopping or work or whatever it is that you throw yourself into to escape pain. And then, and then you go, OK, I've blown it, and you go throw yourself into a cell that you have the key to yourself. Do you remember how Otis would let himself out? God help us. Isn't it amazing how you can see a Bible truth through a stupid show like that? And and, and the fact is, this is what I want you to see this morning. Even though, and and, and the NLT says it this way, not even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. It says even when. Because let me tell you something, folks. This stuff is not if in your life or mine. It's when. Storms are going to come. Are you building your life? Are you building your house on rock So that when the wind blows and the rains come down, that you'll have something that stands. Because I'm going to tell you, when the storm comes, it just shows you the integrity of the structure that you've built. Now, we want to do all we can around here if there's a storm in your life. I remember living in North Carolina when they would issue the hurricane warnings and some folk would wait till the very last second before they'd bring out their plywood and start trying to batten down the hatches and and sometimes it'd take the neighbors to jump over there and help them get everything. I mean, it's blowing 85 miles an hour and we're swinging hammers trying to get stuff boarded up to protect the neighbor that was foolish. And I want to tell you this morning, we love you here today because ain't nobody in the room perfect and we've all waited too long in the middle of a storm. And we'll jump around you and we'll help you. That may be winds flying at 80 or 90 miles an hour. It may get so rough we'll just say, come on, get in our house for a little while. But we'll help you get the thing battened down, batten down the hatches. And we'll help you get everything boarded up. But you've got to realize that it's not if the storms come. It's when they come in your life. It's when you go through the valley of the shadow of death. And I'm not saying everybody experiences what I've gone through. Everybody's experience is different. But you've all got something that you know is bigger than you are that's more painful than you thought you would ever go through in your life. And in that moment, let me just say this to you. Those difficult experiences, that furnace of fire that God spoke to Jacob, and he said, listen to me, I created you. That's the moment. Israel, he was formed. When we come to God, we're definitely a Jacob, a supplanter, a trickster, a schemer, a sinner, sinful. But then he begins forming the prevailer, the prince of God, Israel, in our lives as we go through the experiences, through the refining fire, through the furnace of affliction. And and, and let me just tell you, when when you start to see things happen in your life, it's really just an indicator of your own condition, of your own heart. Uh, And I would ask you to ask this question as I bring this message to a close. As we all face the furnace, am I clay or am I gold? Because the same heat hardens the clay, but it melts the gold. Gold speaks of the divine nature. Clay is the earth. It's the the picture of man and his sinfulness. And and so when you go through the difficult circumstances, when you encounter and you're walking through the fire, when you're going through the valley of the shadow of death, (coughs) when you're encountering and walking through all the indescribable pain that everybody in the room may have at something. And maybe you've started this year and everything is just right. And let me just say this. I believe this is going to be a phenomenal year. I really do. But even in the middle of great blessings, there's always difficult things to walk through. And we have to get through to the other side. And this has been my prayer. Because the emotions that I've faced have been outrageous. There are days that I just couldn't stop crying. And there are days that I was numb and just didn't feel anything. And I would go, God, please don't let me get hard. I don't want to be bitter. I know it's it's trite. I know it is a Christian cliche. But there's so much truth in this. Don't let your circumstances make you bitter. Cry out to God and let them make you better. Don't, don't let them harden you and, and, and make it like clay that becomes hardened and brittle and breaks. But gold, as it's heated, becomes malleable in the hands of the designer, in the artificer, in the, 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 the jeweler. Uh, the Bible says the finding pot for silver and the furnace for gold, so the Lord tries a man's heart. And I believe that just like a precious gem, a jeweler will look into a fining pot and skim off the scum off the top and see his reflection or her reflection in uh, the fining pot of silver or in gold. Gold that's pure, that has, has no alloy or no mixture or no tin, anything extra in it uh, is, is like a pure mirror. And so we're able to mirror the divine image of God when the Lord just skims the, the scum off the top. Sometimes it's in the process of refining that we go through that that God is able to when we learn how to praise Him. When we're going through pain and we just lift it up and I go, God, in the middle of the wilderness, I thank you, you've delivered me with a song. I'm going to sing. I'm not going to lose my joy. I choose joy. I choose joy. I had to embrace it. I had to walk into my backyard and I had to sit down in the spot and stare at the place where I found my lovely wife of 31 years. And I had to say, God, you're going to have to come into the middle of this hell and sanctify this spot because this is a portal of heaven. This is where I've prayed. This is where heaven has touched earth in my life and where I've heard from the throne of God. And I refuse to lose it to fear. I refuse to lose it to an image in my head. I refuse to lose it. And I pray, I sing a song. And I lifted up right there in my own backyard and lifted my hands. I didn't care if neighbors were watching because it wasn't about any of them. I just said, God, I thank you that you're my deliverer in this place. And the peace of God washed over me. I'm telling you. I'm telling you that if you will look for the Lord in the middle of your terrible wilderness, he will show up and he will show himself as the great and the mighty God. Put your hands together and give the Lord praise. I've been doing this for over 35 years, and there's a myriad of things that I could preach or teach on, and I just, I just know that at my age, I've found that the most effective way of really being able to touch the lives of people is to be able to speak from where I am, to be able to speak from where God has revealed himself to me. And so though I'm actively going through this, I know that it is through him that I passively receive. He's already won everything. He's already gotten the victory. Put the last verse up for me if you would. This is my last point. Jesus, Jesus is the way through. This is our verse right here. Read it with me. But thank God, He gives us victory over sin and death. How? Through our Lord Jesus Christ. There's nothing I can go through to win that myself. I can't earn it. I don't merit it. I'm not good enough. I'm not strong enough. This thing is way bigger than I am. The pain, the grief, the struggle, there's no way possible. But I have a champion who did it for me and who took my place. The Bible says he's a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. That means that he knows the loss, the pain that I feel. Our Savior is not... Uh, he doesn't lack sympathetic, sympathy to the struggles that we face. The Bible says that he is touched with the feelings of my infirmities. He's been there. He's experienced it. God the Father himself knew the loss of turning his back on his own firstborn. He knows the pain and the grief. Of loss. And so, with that, he enters into my struggle, into your circumstance, and to your divorce, to your financial struggle, to the child that's rebellious, to the marriage that's on the rocks, to the business that's failing. He enters into the prosperity and the blessing that you're going through right now. And enjoy that and celebrate that. And just don't forget that all that you are being blessed with, the land filled with milk and honey, and the hills that are filled with silver and gold, you didn't get there by your own strength. But the Lord God Almighty is the one who brought you out of Egypt and through the wilderness and into your promised land. And and, and life is a lot like those seasons of the children of Israel walking through the wilderness because it would be a period of testing and then it would be a period of blessing. It would be the left foot of testing and the right foot of blessing. And sometimes going through life is just coming out of a period of testing and then seeing God open up into a period of blessing. And and then out of that blessing all of a sudden here comes something else that blindsides you and you're being tested in something else and, and you're going through it and you're being faithful to not get stuck and mired down in the mud and thankful that he's lifted you up and put your feet on a rock and put a song in your mouth. And so you take another step out of testing and you walk into a new period of blessing. And I want to tell you right now, my faith is high and I'm believing God for a season, not just a a couple of days or a few weeks, but some months and even some years, a new season in victory, a season of blessing. And if I can say it, I hope it's not inappropriate. I believe I'm due for some blessing and I'm trusting God for some blessing. Come on, somebody, put your hands together and give the Lord praise. It isn't because I'm anything. It isn't because I'm good enough because I'm not. I'll just tell you right now, there's not a perfect person in this room except for one, and his name is Jesus. And so with that last verse, I close this message this morning. But thank God who delivers us from sin and death through our Lord Jesus Christ. Get, Get this. The wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life. What? Through our Lord Jesus Christ. I don't know what you're going through this morning but the the biggest thing that you need to discover before you leave this room is if you can meet a man whose name is Jesus he might not deliver you out of the storm but he'll get in the boat and